Welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging for December 3rd of 2020, in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. This program is presented by LexBlog, providing lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. Find out all about LexBlog at lexblog.com slash products. I am Bob Ambrosi. I'm your host. I am the, uh, I published the blog Law Sites, where I uh, write about legal technology and innovation. Also have my uh, other podcast, Law Next, also focused on innovation in, uh, in the legal world. And uh, just a, a reminder that all of these programs, we've been doing these for a while now. As a matter of fact, I went and counted them. We've done 22 of these uh, in the last few months. Uh, they're all available on YouTube, youtube.com slash LexBlog. So go back and watch them. We've got a lot of great interviews with a lot of really fascinating legal bloggers. Also available as an audio podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Today, I'm very happy to have uh, as my guest, Leonard Gordon, who is chair of the advertising and marketing group at the, at the law firm Venable. Uh, and he is also the editor of the blog, All About Advertising Law. So, Len, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Bob. Great to be here. Nice to see you. Nice to meet you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, before we uh, get started, well, I, I'm going to tell you a bit of trivia first, because one, at one time I was trying to research uh, which law firm had the first ever website on the internet. Do you know what law firm that was? I do not. It was Venable. Was it? That's awesome. Well, you know, we're the technology firm, right? So, uh, yeah, great. it was way back. When was it? I figured it out once. Uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. 1994, 1993, I think it was. Venable was the very first firm to have like a graphical website back right That's after awesome. the web, web got going. So, so good for them. Um, but before we talk about your blog, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice and what you do? Sure. Thanks. So Venable has a large advertising and marketing group. I, I had it. I joined Venable in 2012 after seven years at the Federal Trade Commission, where I did both advertising and antitrust work. Since getting to Venable, I do mostly advertising work. I still do some antitrust work. And most of my advertising work involves representing companies and individuals in FTC investigations and litigation, CFPB investigations and litigation, focused on marketing and advertising issues. Uh, DOJ investigations, state AG investigations, but the FTC is probably the biggest part of, of my practice. It's been a good time to be in that practice. The FTC has been very, very busy. So I also, and we also do a lot of counseling trying to help clients uh, avoid FTC scrutinies. And then we also do a lot of work in the, sort of the promotions field, contests, sweepstakes, things like that. And one of my, one of my partners is really sort of a national expert in that. And that, that's a nice add on to our marketing practice. Yeah. Have there been uh, specific sort of pandemic related issues that have come up over the last eight to nine months? Has the pandemic in any way affected advertising issues? It has um, two sort of big chunks. There was a fair amount of price gouging investigations and litigation. So to the extent that you're advertising a, a price, you know, that, that certainly, um, and it's a consumer protection issue. So I think of advertising really as almost anything consumer protection. So there was some of that. We did that. And then we've helped clients respond to warning letters that the Federal Trade Commission has sent about claims that uh, companies were making regarding 
products that might help you not get COVID, recover more quickly from COVID, uh, other uh, you know, COVID health-related claims. I mean, the FTC has sent, I think, 150 warning letters to companies, which is an unprecedented number of warning letters. They might have sent 150 warning letters in the last 10 years, uh, maybe last six years. Um, so, it, but it's been interesting because because of the importance, I think, of COVID and the widespread nature of some of these claims, they decided to go with a warning letter approach. If companies don't respond to the warning letter, um, they are probably going to get sued, and they've sued some of them for, for COVID-related claims. We had a couple of uh, clients that we helped sort of clean up some loose language on their website related to dietary supplements that, you know, are good for you, but uh, marketing maybe went a little bit too far on COVID-related issues. Yeah. I, I'm not going to ask you if you represent the company that tells me I'm going to have a better memory from jellyfish or something. Uh, <laughs> we don't, but we've blogged about that case a lot. <laughs> have you blogged about that case? We have. Is there a case, there been a case about it? Because I, I look at that, I look, keep looking at their ads thinking, how do they get away with this? Um, the FTC has sued them. It, it was an interesting, it's actually a really interesting case because the FTC, when they sued them, attached the study uh, that the company had been relying upon and said, this study doesn't prove what they say it proves. And the judge said, well, I don't know, but it might. So I dismissed the case. <laughs> the second circuit said, no, that's not the way it works. And the case is still being, being litigated now a couple of years later. But oh, interesting. Uh, it, it was, you know, at first it seemed like a great victory for advertisers, and but uh, it didn't last long. The Second Circuit reversed Judge Stanton pretty quickly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Uh, and uh, and we are going to get to your blog, but since we're, since this sure. is a show about blogging, I, I also wanted to just ask about. Uh, uh, something I think a lot of some bloggers probably aren't even aware of is that there are FTC rules that pertain to blogs and, and influencers in general. Oh, yeah. And with, with so many influencers out there uh, right now, have you seen any 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 cases or, or instances in which uh, the FTC has has uh, had to take any kind of an action with regard to influencers or bloggers? Or? Yeah, they've taken several um, and there's several more in the pipeline that I can't talk about. Uh, but yes, you know, the FTC follows the money. And if you look at where marketing spend is now, a lot of it is spent on influencers. So we're advising our clients all the time about what influencers need to do, whether it's on social media or blogs to adequately disclose that they are being compensated for the views that they express, that um, they, what the, blogger or the person you know posting on social media they can't say something about a product that the company couldn't say so they can't say that this uh, product causes anybody to lose 20 pounds without exercise unless there's you know competent reliable scientific evidence that shows that somebody who takes this product is going to lose 20 pounds without exercise or dieting or whatever you know whatever the claim might be so it, it's it's hard um you know we've had a bunch of those cases you know, I'll, there's a lot of bloggers who sort of have a, an outlaw uh, mentality and, you know, there's bad boy type things and they, they don't necessarily want to play by the rules. And, you know, we, we work with clients that some of these times these people have to get terminated because, uh, you know, if you're paying somebody to promote your product, you're essentially responsible for what they say or don't say. Right. And, and one of the keys, right, is just is disclose, disclose, disclose on the blogger part. I mean, if, if, exactly. if somebody you know, has sent I, you a, something of spokes, value yeah. Yeah. and you write about them and you're writing good, whatever, you, you need yeah. to disclose that they've given you something of value. Sure. I mean, the whole, 
the whole reason that uh, influencer marketing or uh, social media marketing it can be very effective and very powerful is, you know, if they said the people still watch broadcast TV and a commercial comes on, everybody knows that's a commercial. Right. Right. And the FCC's view is when, when that commercial comes on, everyone sort of turns a switch in their mind, uh, exercises some healthy skepticism over what's said in the commercial because they know it's a commercial. But if you're reading a blog or you're reading a post on uh, Instagram and somebody's talking about something, the FTC's view is that they don't, the consumer might not know that. Now, I think the world's changing. I mean, I have a 16-year-old daughter. She has several friends who, when they grow up, want to be influencers. I mean, when I was 16 years old, there was no such thing as an influencer. <laughs> right. It was a long time ago. There was no such thing yeah. as the internet when I was yeah. 16 years old. Um, when I was 16, there was no electricity. So it, Exactly, right. <laughs> um, but, but you know, I think over time, people are starting to realize that all these, these Instagram celebrities or TikTok celebrities or, you know, other social media celebrities who promote these products are, are being paid to do that. And, and over time, how that's disclosed may soften a little bit. Right now, the FTC's view is, you know, consumers don't know that. And so it has to be very clearly and conspicuously disclosed that you're being paid to say nice things about a product. Yeah. That's interesting. And we could, we could have a whole other conversation about that because I, I have some thoughts about that, but I'll, I'll sure. we'll, we'll hold that for another day. Right. But uh, Talk about whatever you so want. Let's, <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's talk about your blog, All About Advertising Law. And um, you're the editor of this blog. So what, what does that mean? You have a, a, a group of people who are writing for it and you're the kind of the point person in charge of it? Or? Uh, what does that mean? It means I do a lot of the right. Well, I do a lot of the idea generation. So, you know, I follow the FTC very, very closely. I follow class action uh, developments involving advertising very closely. And when I see something that I think ought to be on the blog, I commandeer or request volunteers for one of our associates, one of our partners to help me with a blog or to do the blog themselves. And then also others in our group um, come to me and say, you know, saw this case, think it's a great blog, and we'll make sure we don't have a conflict, which is, is frustrating. Sometimes the things that we want to blog about mention our clients or our clients who have very strict guidelines about, you know, being mentioned in blog posts. So we have to work around that. You know, if, if our client has just gotten sued by the FTC, we're probably not going to be blogging about that case. Um, right. If we've won a case against the FTC for one of our clients, we probably will. But that that's, you know, it all depends on the client. We've, we've had victories right. where the client would not let us blog about it. And that's, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. So even, even if you've been successful on behalf of a client, are you getting the client's consent before you write about them? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you do not want the client to know that you've written about them for the first time when they see your blog. When they read about it. Yeah. 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 And so do you have a, a, a regular roster of people within the firm who are writing or are you kind of running around the virtual halls these days uh, looking for uh, looking Both. for volunteers? There's some people who are generally pretty good. And then I, I press the, the younger associates, especially to write. Um, first off, you know, it makes sense for them to do that. But it, one of the best ways I think to learn something is to be forced to speak about it or write about it. I mean, you, you might think you know something, but if you actually have to 
write about it or you have to speak about it. It requires you to learn um, to a degree and to understand to a degree that just sort of thinking you know something doesn't involve. So I view uh, blogging and reading our blog as sort of one of the core things that our younger associates need to do to develop as lawyers. Yeah, it's got to be good exposure for them, right? I mean, that's both within the firm and externally. Absolutely. And look, you know, we, we, that's the reason we do the blog, right? It's not just to, it's to be a service to our clients which, who enjoy it, but um, I'm probably anticipating something you're going to ask me, but, you know, I've gotten business. I, you know, I, somebody calls you out of the blue, you're like, how'd you find me? And they're like, well, Google. And then I saw that you had written about this issue, which is, the problem that I'm facing or the, you know, you seem like, you know, a lot about this because of the things I've re- I read on your blog. So, you know, I, I think it's an incredibly worthwhile investment for uh, the firm and for our younger associates and, you know, they get comfortable writing. And we, you know, we also do uh, monthly webinars. We try and push them out there to, to do those as well um, because the only way you get better at speaking is to speak. Right. Well, you're right. I was going to ask you that question about whether you ever got business from the blog, and now you've answered that one. Yeah. I, I, in, in the last, this year, I guess probably several matters, some big, some small, where clearly the blog might not have been the only reason, but it was certainly a reason that someone ultimately called me or emailed me. Yeah. And, and it's more important now. I mean, Historically, we would go speak at conferences or attend conferences and meet people that way. Well, that's certainly not doing the face-to-face dinners and, you know, cocktail hours. I mean, we've done some virtual conferences. We've put on some. We've spoken at some. But it's harder to meet people that way. So, you know, trying to bolster your web presence, I think, is incredibly important. Yeah, I think this has been a a year in which uh, a number of blogs have seen real increases in their readership and traffic for that very reason, that uh, people are suddenly looking more online for resources they might have looked to other places for uh, prior to this year. I was trying to figure out the, the I, always, I always like to go back and try and figure out the history or the genesis of a blog. And it looked to me like this blog was started you, you weren't you weren't the originator of this blog right some, I was other, some others who brought this into right. the firm i think from a, even from another firm where it was going before that's um, correct and, and then it so at what point did you get involved in it and how did that happen um i was act, as soon as i joined the firm um i don't remember exactly how long after i joined the firm we started the blog but it, it was very it was about the same time um and in I 2012 started, was the first post I could find, if that helps. And I joined Venable <laughs> in March or May of 2012. So, yeah, the, the blog and I arrived about the same time. And I was uh, very active blogging, especially on FTC-related matters from the start. So um, yeah. over t- w- the, the folks who started the blog ended up moving, along, moving on, and I took over editorship, editorship of the blog at that point a couple of years ago. Yeah. And, and was that – had you – already been blogging in any way prior to joining the firm or prior to getting involved with this blog? Did you no, have any, so any I was, I was at the, I was at the FTC prior to yeah. joining the firm. So I did a ton of speaking. I would go, I would go speak to church groups or large conferences. I just, you know, I like to get out and talk to people. It's, I find it, you know, stimulating. And, but there's, you know, an official FTC blog on consumer protection issues that Leslie Fair 
um, you know, pushes out and, um, you know, that's what she does. That's her job. That's what, you know, she does that and speak. That's all she does. So, um, I wasn't going to get my own blog at the FTC. Um, but again, because I did so much speaking, um, it again forced me to become familiar with a host of issues, uh, that the FTC touches. So when I got to Venable, I knew a lot about a lot of different things that the FTC does and that provided good fodder for the block. Yeah. Um, and are you, um, I just totally lost my train of thought. Uh, of I was going to say that the, I, I noticed that the, the people who started it have since left, left the firm. I think they've now got another blog at another firm, uh, yep. pretty much on, on, on similar issues. So how does, how does the blog fit within the firm? Is, 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 does the firm have other blogs? Is the firm supportive uh, of, of, the blog very, and of your efforts? Yeah, very supportive. I, would, I think ours is one of the more uh, vigorous blogs. I mean, as far as, you know, publication, the frequency of publication, other groups do more alerts or do um, newsletter, you know, e-newsletters, uh, I think lots of groups in the firm do uh, uh, webinars and things like that. Right. But, you know, the, the, the firm is, is incredibly supportive. We've got a business development person who helps us, you know, get it up, right? So that, you know, yeah. clear, clear conflicts, get the thing proofread, get the thing published, and then it gets folded into a newsletter that we send out every two weeks as well. Yeah. So are you personally involved in kind of promoting it and getting it out there or you're leaving that to the marketing or biz dev people and you're, you're putting up the content. I I try to make sure we have content um, to the content's appropriate. Um, But as far as the production, uh, I I don't have anything to do that nor do I want to. I've got more than enough to do. Yeah. So who are you, you mentioned earlier that you're doing this for clients and potential clients, but is that primarily your audience? Is that who you're targeting this at? Well, it's, it's always funny. Um, you know, sometimes I'll go into the FTC for a meeting and um, they'll like or they won't like something that we've written recently about uh, one of their cases. And that's always a little, it can be funny, it can be a little uncomfortable. So they're reading it. They're reading it, which I take as a compliment. Um, we, you know, we, get, we know who re- reads it. It's not a secret. You guys help us figure that out. Um, we know other law firms read it and, you know, that's fine. We, I read other law firms blogs sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, our, our goal audience is are our clients and people who we would like to be our clients. And it's interesting. We, we try to write it and it's hard um, for both lawyers and non-lawyers, right? So, you know, a, a decent number of our clients don't have general counsels. You know, it, we are their general counsel or they've got some other lawyer that for, you know, their corporate work they might use, but for, um, you know, this might be the first advertising investigation they've ever had, first FTC investigation they've ever had. So we try to write it at a, a level that can appeal both to people who are fairly savvy in the uh, area, but also people who are just trying to, you know, get their heads around, you know, well, what does the FTC do? How does it do it? Why does it do it? What, what are the issues? What are the risks? And so, that that requires some um, some work. Sometimes I get uh, content from really smart young associates. And I'm like, this is great, but we're not writing a law review article here. We don't need string sites and things like that. We need something that you know 
tells the, the reader, this is why this is important. This is what it might mean for you. If you've got more questions, you ought to call us. That, that's ultimately, that's the, uh, the, the formula I try to follow. Yeah. And have you come to, uh, you know, over the years of doing this, come to sort of a, an idea in your mind about the, the, the right style or length or, or format for a blog post in addition to using, you know, plain English and, and not, I try not to be string funny. sites? And... I, I try to be funny. Um, my kids are frequently telling me that I'm not. Um, and <laughs> kids are good is, for that. Yeah, that. yeah the, the firm is frequently telling me that, my, that it's, um, I don't care whether it's funny, but you, you, we can't, you know, we can't say that. So it, it's, um, you know, every once in a while things will sneak through and I'll be delighted that I got something into a blog. Um, but, it, you know, I, th I would say, I think the, the, our blog used to be funnier, um, but it just, we, so much, stuff, so much of the funny stuff got spiked that um, it became part of, there was a recent case we wrote about involving advertising litigation between two companies that make range finders for uh, golf. I am an avid but horrible golfer. One of our associates is an avid but pretty good golfer. So we we used lots of golf rhetoric and jokes and um, made fun of our own golfing abilities. And that, and that was actually a, a fun one to, to, to write. And we, we got a lot of great feedback just from people who thought it was amusing. So that, that, was, that was fun. Yeah. I, so how do you – well, how many – how much of the actual writing are you doing versus the oversight and editing and, and idea generation? It goes up and down. There are certain issues that I, I, um, I follow very, very closely. So, you know, the, there's a challenge right now with the Supreme Court about the FTC's 13B authority and what that means and whether it's going to continue. And, you know, we're litigating that issue in three other cases right now. Um, so I'm really hands-on if we're going to be writing about that because first off i've got i've taken positions in litigation that i want to make sure we're consistent with and it's an issue that i followed closely for years one of the first things i wrote about when i got to uh venable was how does the ftc do this with 13b when you know the, the language doesn't necessarily command the result that the ftc has achieved thus far you know using that language so in those things i'll be very very hands-on and do a decent amount of writing or rewriting other issues, um, you know, I'll be fairly hands-on. I'll make sure, you know, what, what's written is, is appropriate, makes sense, is on topic. But, I'll, you know, we'll let it go. And, you know, like a lot of things in life, it's also going to depend on how much other stuff I've got going on. If I've got a week's worth of depositions, I'm going to have to take a light touch on the blog that week. Right. How do you balance your time? I mean, you're, you're – uh, if I had this right, you're, you're chair of the marketing and advertising marketing group there – uh, you're, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a law practice to attend to. How do you yeah. balance the time and, and make that work with your schedule? Um, you know, I, I try to delegate as much as I can. I, you know, I think one of the things that as you become more senior in a law firm, the, the people who are most successful are the ones who are really good at appropriate delegation. Right. I mean, and, and it's, it's an art, it's not a science. And sometimes like, uh, I should have been more hands-on there. And other times you're like, I wasted a lot of time doing this that I should have had somebody else do it. So, you know, as head of the group and as someone who now has a fairly vigorous practice, one of the most important things I need to do is identify talent and not just who's smart, but who's good at what, right? So, I mean, there are certain people who are really good at the blog. So I'll, you know, if I need something turned around quickly, I'm like, you know, 
can you write this up? You know, you know how, how I like to say things at this point, you know, you like the tone we like to take and it's great. And if it's something we really need a fast turnaround on because it's topical, we want it to blog out tomorrow because, you know, we think our competitors are going to be out tomorrow. We want to be timely. If it's something that's not quite so time sensitive, I'm more likely to give it to somebody a little less experienced. So they have the ability to to do it and it, it might take, four or five drafts. I mean, there's one I'm going to turn to tonight that I think we're on our fourth or fifth draft. If it was really timely, I wouldn't have had this more junior associate do it. I would have had somebody more senior and it had been published already. So, but that same sort of triage, we do it in cases, you know, I mean, the things that are less, a little less time sensitive, you try and let younger attorneys do them so they can learn things that have to get done in a, overnight you're in a hurry you need somebody more senior frequently yeah so when when you uh came to the firm in 2012 and, and started getting involved with this blog and b- before you were actually the editor of it uh, did you kind of did you see the value of it right away or did you see it as as a chore or a bother or something you you had to do well no i i thought it was incredibly valuable right so i i'm coming uh from the government which means I'm bringing zero portable business with me. So I need to develop a book of business. I need to be known. So writing about the FTC, I was going to a lot of conferences, speaking about advertising FTC issues. I mean, that's, that's how I spent a decent chunk of my time when I first got to the firm. So the, the birth of the blog and my arrival, the, the, the timing was awesome. And, you know, it, it was a great way to raise your profile. Yeah. Both, and again, both internally and externally. Yeah. And have there been other benefits to your career? I mean, you've mentioned that you've actually gotten clients because of the blog and, and it's, it's raised your profile. Have you seen any other benefits to your own career um, by doing the blog or through the blog? Well, like I said before, you know, one of the best ways to understand something is to have to write about it. So, you know, right. writing about it or editing it helps. And once a week, once every two weeks, I'll be wrestling with someone will ask me a question. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that we blogged about this and there's a decent search function on our blog. And I'll, I'll find it. Yeah, there was this case that dealt with, you know, appropriate disclosures for endorsements or something yeah. like that. Or that, you know, that, um, that one of the com- uh, commissioners wrote a dissent that took a kind of harsh view of something. And it, so frequently it's one of the first places I go when I'm trying to find something. I go to the FTC website or I go to our blog because, you know, they're, they're both pretty searchable and can be, you know, great tools. Yeah. Well, your, your answer just hit on two themes that I've heard a number of times in doing these interviews for the show and that I've seen in my own experience, which is one thing I, I've often said is that blogging makes you smarter uh, because for the same reason you said it, you, you're, you're forced to really understand an issue in order to write about it. And, and it also forces you into this routine of keeping up with, with what's yep. going on in your field. Again, as you, as you said earlier. Uh, and then the other interesting thing about blogs, it, it, when you do them over time, is you do build up. It's a it's a knowledge management tool. Effectively, you build up Absolutely. this body of information uh, that you can then go back and, and reference at any time. And and I've I've, you know, I've heard people tell me about my blog, and I'm sure you've probably heard this too. That people come and say, you know, I was. You know, I, I knew that there would, had been something that happened at some point in time, and I went back and searched your blog or or searched yeah, right. uh, for what you had written about it. So. Yeah. But I will um, become a little frustrated sometimes when uh, I'll be talking to an associate about something and I'm like, you know, you know, go look at the, you read the blog we wrote last week about this topic, right? And they're like, and you know, like, 
you got to read the blog. I mean, that's that's a required reading for our young associates. So hopefully, yeah. I think that message has now gotten through because it, it does help. Yeah. Is there other advice that you give to the associates uh, that you work with when they start to work with the firm? I mean, you've talked a little bit about some of the writing style and, and that sort of thing. Uh, what else do you tell them about, about uh, how to be an effective or successful blogger? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, what they struggle with, and but what's really important is to understand why is this important, okay? So, you know, the, the, this case came out. The FTC's brought lots of dietary supplement cases. Why is this blog worthy? Well, how is this going to change our client's thought process or their decision? You know, we need to call Venable to get some advice on this. This, this is a change. So getting them to look more broadly, and that, that's a that's one of the things you see with as associates progress when they, they first get here, a lot of them are very, I was told to research this issue and they research this issue and they, you know, the partners and the senior associates don't explain to them why this issue is important for this case or for this question the clients asked, um, or they, they don't ask. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's on the associate to ask. So, it, the, the associates who are good bloggers also are generally very good lawyers because they're good at you know spotting issues and and connecting things that might not at first and most obvious blush be connected and you know it, when you can start connecting dots for clients um, you, you really add value and so that's that, you know that's something I think that the associates learn over time as they become more experienced they've got a better knowledge base and they can you know, start uh, putting things together, which allows you to see forward a little more accurately as well. Yeah. So, so, so they, they develop the ability to see what, which stories are blog worthy or which, which ones are important. And then, and then it sounds like you're saying also the ability to explain that in the blog post to the, to the reader exactly. as to why, why you're writing about this and why it's important. Exactly. Um, uh, what else? I, I, I've been asking you uh, lots of questions and we're getting near the end of the time, but uh, what, what are, are there any other thoughts or advice that, that you have uh, on blogging that, that we haven't, that we haven't talked about? Not really. I, mean, I think the most important thing is to just keep doing it. Right. I mean, it, look, I end up doing a lot of it very early in the morning or late at night because, you know, during the day I'm responding to emails, I'm on zooms, I'm on calls, I'm, right. I'm in court, I'm in depositions. I'm trying to turn drafts around. So, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's a sacrifice, but it's, I view it as an investment and, you know, I think it's an important investment in, you know, brand building, knowledge building, practice building. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you ever had a blog post that, uh, that is, is, uh, I don't know, that maybe you've regretted or that, or that is, has elicited a, 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 a stronger than you would have ever anticipated kind of a reaction? Um, I remember very clearly walking into the FTC for a meeting and being told in certain terms that they didn't like something we had written. And this was someone who I knew well, I had worked with when I was there. Um, but he, he had a good sense of humor and we agreed to disagree. Um, we've had, you know, FTC commissioners cite the blog in public comments they made, which I took as a great compliment. Um, so, 
you know, uh, regret. No, I mean, we, I, I try to, uh, I, I'll make wise ass remarks in the blog, but I try not to make them <laughs> at somebody's expense. Okay. So yeah, that, you know, yeah. because the, the yeah. world's round and things come yeah. around. Yeah. Unless it's your own expense talking no, about my own expense, that... that's fine. I'm more than happy to make fun of myself. Everyone else yeah. does at my house. Yeah, good. Well, uh, I, I, I'm sure you have a, a great handicap uh, in your blogging career, if not your exactly. blogging career. So, uh, well, uh, Len, thank you very much. I really appreciate. Uh, no, this was fun, Bob. Thank you're, you. You're doing this. It's been it's been great to talk to you and hear about your blog. Uh, and a uh, reminder to our uh, viewers and listeners that we've been talking to Leonard Gordon about the blog All About Advertising Law, which is at allaboutadvertisinglaw.com if you wondered where you might find it. Exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, again, a reminder that you can find all of our past episodes on YouTube at youtube.com slash Lexblog. And uh, Lynn, stay safe, stay well. You do the Thanks same. All right. Thank and, you very much. Great talking uh, to you. Thanks a lot. We will be back uh, next week, same time, same place, with another great legal blogger. Bye.